Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Searching for the loan that's right for your life or your business? The Bank of Clark County offers personal auto financing, personal loans and business lines of credit, mortgages and business real estate loans, home equity loans, personal and business construction loans, and more. Whether you're looking to upgrade your life or your business, the Bank of Clark County has the loan that fits. Visit your local Bank of Clark County branch or go to bankofclark.bank. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Here at Total Wine & More, you'll find what you love and love what you find, especially our totally low prices. I'm firing up the grill for burgers and want to impress the neighbors. This Cabernet is sure to take your burgers to the next level. Nice. Wow. And look at that price. Well done. I prefer medium or air. <laughs> your neighbors will love it. Find what you love, love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. With the lowest prices in the DMV. Drink responsibly, B21. I'm Tamara Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, this is Tamara Thomas. You're listening to Urban Health Weekly, and I'm here with Lou and Jackie. Hey, people, how are you doing? Good. Hey, guys. A lot going on in the news, uh, a lot of interesting stuff. So first off, Spotify is removing Neil Young's songs after he complained of misinformation. Spotify said on Wednesday that it begun removing the singer's music from the streaming service two days after he briefly posted a public letter calling on Spotify to choose between him and Joe Rogan, the star podcast host who has been accused of spreading misinformation about the coronavirus and vaccines. Young's challenge to Spotify has become a high profile, if unexpected, flashpoint in the battle over misinformation and free speech online. It also raised questions about the power of performing artists to control where their work is heard. In a statement posted on his website on Wednesday, Young called Spotify the home of life-threatening COVID misinformation. He added lies being sold for money. His criticism of Rogan, a comedian and actor who has become Spotify's most popular podcast host, I think he's their number one podcast host, right? Yeah sometimes speaking at great length with controversial figures, came after a group of hundreds of scientists, professors, and public health experts asked Spotify to take down an episode of Rogan's show from December 31st, that episode featuring Dr. Robert Malone, an infectious disease expert, 
promoted several falsehoods about COVID-19 vaccines, according to the group's public letter, which was issued on January 10th. First of all, you go, Neil Young. I appreciate an artist. For him. Of his stature, throwing down the gauntlet. I mean, this is a, he's a, he's a rock and roll hall of famer two times. He, um, he scores, not only does he, you know, uh, play multiple instruments, he's known for his electric guitar. He's a Canadian citizen. So what is that thing called? The Manitoba? He got like, a, it's basically like he was knighted in Canada. Yeah. Ah. Yes. Yeah. It's the Order of Manitoba, it's called. He's a multiple Grammy and Juno Award winner. He worked with Pearl Jam. He was part of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. This guy's no lightweight, okay? He's, you know, he's a somebody in, right. in, he, in uh, music. He got the soundtrack for Philadelphia. He you? did the soundtrack yeah. for Philadelphia, that movie with Tom Hanks, you remember? Yeah, he's huge in the rock and world. Yes. He's the world. not a nobody, okay? Right. Props to, to Neil Young. I don't know anything about Joe Rogan. I mean, I really don't. I don't, you know, I've never listened to his comedy or to his show. So I feel like it's a little unfair for me to judge. But I do know that he's rich since Spotify paid him $100 million to be on their roster. Joe Rogan is huge. Yeah. I know him from Fear Factor. Uh, he, he first oh, yeah, Fear Factor. I know him from yeah. MMA when he used to do... Uh, um, I'm doing a little bit of Joe Rogan hating here. <laughs> Joe Rogan is famous for a show where you eat worms. And he's also famous for um, being the... Uh, the commentator during UFC fights where people are beating each other's brains out. Yeah, for MMA. He was Ow. a play-by-play commentator, but I stopped watching that years ago when yes. it started bothering me about the head injury factor. I, I couldn't watch it anymore, but I used to love it. So, Yeah, but, but here's the thing. I don't know how this equates to being healthy uh, or how he became a, a health expert to give people advice on health or anything like that. Uh, now he's all about like physical self-improvement, but like cosmetic in terms of like his like uh, he he's big on getting hormones and getting like all kinds of like alternative and like um, mm-hmm. it's looking a certain way, being a certain kind of masculine. Like it's really he courts controversy and uh, he's like super old school macho in a certain way. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so basically he's rich. So that's all I know about him. <laughs> and well, yeah, I mean, you know, they paid him a hundred million dollars and uh, he's been doing, wow. I'm hearing from you guys that he's, you know, this really big. And, and let me just say that I'm a huge proponent proponent of free speech and artistic license especially for comedians, because I think cancel culture has destroyed comedy. However, my gripe is that he's in a very privileged position and he is removed from the ground where all the gritty social stuff happens. Oh, absolutely. He lives a very cushy life in Texas. He's not a waiter who has to deal with uncooperative. No, he's not. He lives a very cushy life on his ranch down he's in not a, Oh, a ranch. He's oh, not yeah, a or, police officer who has to deal with all men no. regardless of their health status. He's not on the front lines. No, he's, he's not. not a flight attendant who has to worry about whether a flight will even get to his destination or am I going to be beaten to a pulp by some angry. Right. Or am I going to get sick? He's not that. Mm-hmm. He's not a school teacher. He's not a, a parcel carrier, a food delivery person. You know, but these people, I'm sure, are his audience, right? 
Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that he steps into, when he leaves the studio, he steps into his nice chauffeur vehicle and goes to his nice ranch away from mm-hmm. other homes. And he has the money to get the best care. And oh, yeah. He had, he had COVID and he got. And he the best food in- and the best supplements. Right. Should he ever be so unlucky to catch COVID? He gets intravenous vitamins. He gets it. You know, he yes. has the access to that. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has a personal doctor who will come to his house and do that. I mean, it's a different life altogether. Yeah. yeah. And while I applaud him taking an interest in, in, you know, in health and trying to guide people in the right direction. I think we need to be very careful when we step into, and maybe the same could be said for us too, because we're sure. this vaccine agenda or whatever. Right. But, but I think, you know, when your audience is people that don't necessarily have the means that you have, you have to be careful about what message you put out there, because I'm sure a lot of his audience don't have the means to do the things that he does. And that's all. That's 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 my whole gripe with with him. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll butt in here for a second. Um, Absolutely. And and I'm gonna butt in with a question. If somebody were to put uh, misinformation about vaccines or health or stuff like that on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, what would happen to that person? Oh, they get cancel culture. Well, they not only think- cancel card, so their their account would be canceled, regardless oh, of their speech. Oh, okay. See, I'm not on social media. Do they go into like Facebook jail or one of those things? Do they get they, temporarily? They take your account right off. They take your account right off. Oh. If you, if you ah. vaccine misinformation or hate speech, there's a whole list of things. Look, Trump got kicked off uh, on Twitter. For misinformation. Yeah, yes, for misinformation. True. If you're posting misinformation on Twitter, on Facebook, and on um, on Instagram, and it's deemed to be dangerous that people can get hurt by following this information. You are kicked off. Now, the rules on podcasts somehow are not the same. You could say stuff on on that, and and then you know, oh, gee whiz, or something like that. I think that the core here should not be the the artists are are going out i think what needs to happen is people the users and the subscribers need to start saying hey if misinformation is going to be on this system i think there should be some sort of policing much like facebook and others have self-policed i think that the podcast systems need to be starting to do a little bit of self-policing here yeah i don't know spotify is the number one streaming service in the world I and, don't think and Joe that, Rogan is their number one. Yeah. I don't think guy. they can leave that kind of money on the table. You know, it's like they, they're just not going to do it. Whether they bring you saying you think they're getting that might be their big market is the people who. Yeah, they may think that everything he's saying is a load of crap, but it's making them so much money. Who are they to stand in the way of making so much money? I don't know. You know? Yeah. Twitter canceled Trump. Twitter. Twitter is a different beast. Twitter's free. Twitter is not well, it's paid it's subscribers. It, but it's, it's supported. I know, but it's not. And then when and then what happened when 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 some um, people uh, some advertisers decide to pull their their advertising? Did it make a difference? No, because and those were and those were some big names. It didn't make a difference because 
the little subscribers, that's where their, their big money is. The mm-hmm. little subscribers that yeah. buy the ads and the, and the targeted, the real, the local real estate person, the hairdresser, yeah. the influencer, that's where their bread and butter is. Yeah. So it didn't really make a dent when all these major companies stood up and said, you're trafficking misinformation and we're not going to stand for it and we're going to pull our ads. And I wonder how many of them quietly went back with their tail between their legs. Yeah, I, I think there needs to be just like the. I agree with you. You know, I agree with you 100%. Just like there's some words you can't say on TV, and there is, you know, you say there's no censorship, but, you know, there is censorship. And. But also, and, his audience is not the cancel culture audience, I don't believe, right? I don't think he's a. He's not. He's not uh, Kevin Hart. Right. He's not Amy Schumer. He's a different brand of. It's, you know, I mean, I'm not, familiar, but is it like, would you say it's like the toxic masculinity? Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely in and there. And that yeah. is on the right. That is not left. Oh, yeah. He, it's very right leaning. Yeah, absolutely. Not, yeah, the left with this cancel stuff, that's not his audience. That's not where his bread is buttered. He's had Alex Jones on there a number of times. Information so. Wars guy? Yes. Oh. Repeatedly. Even knowing, even after Sandy Hook denying. Mm-hmm. He courts a certain amount of controversy mm-hmm. or he feels that he, he, you know, he has them on. Maybe he just feels like he gives them an audience. Let's put it that way. So yeah. the breakfast club with um, Charlemagne, the God and Angela Yee and yeah. um, they, you know, they've had controversial guests and people gave them hell about it and stuff like that. But their stance was, look, everybody deserves to be heard. Everybody, we can't just be a one-sided show here. We have to give everyone a chance, whether we agree with them or not. Well, what and, if it's misinformation? Um, yeah, I don't. I think they pushed back if it was um, false information, but they at least gave people the opportunity to come on the show. But the left was just like, why did you even have this person on your show? We're going to cancel you because we don't like that you had these people. And I'm not, you know, I don't okay. know. He doesn't come from, yeah, Joe Rogan doesn't come from that culture right and that's and that's what i'm saying i'm saying that he's insulated because his 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 base is let's own the libtards absolutely and and screw them if they can't take a joke and we we like this guy and he's he is the counter cancel culture person right like he's 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 anti all of that he's not safe he's not so look it's working for spotify i don't see that that's why I almost didn't even want to talk about this, but because, you know, at, at the end of the day, the, the checks keep rolling in, the advertisers keep advertising, you know what I'm saying? And they, they, the, right. the checks keep cashing. So nothing is really, you know, we can be as, as we want and finger wagging and all that stuff, but it's not going to really change anything. I don't so, think it makes a dent on, on him. So uh, I yeah, so I'm I'm happy to see a country darling like Neil Young stand up and be like, enough is enough of this. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens. Let's mm-hmm. see what happens. Let's see if anyone else in the music industry embraces this stance and, and see what happens. I don't think anything's gonna happen, but we'll see. All right. All right. Foods that fight inflammation. Now, before I, I, I start, let's, let's just take a quick look at some popular inflammatory foods. Um, some inflammatory foods are refined carbohydrates, such as white bread and pastries, French fries or other fried foods like deep fried foods, 
<laughs> soda and other sugar-sweetened beverages, red meat, such as hamburgers and steaks, and processed meat, such as hot dogs, sausage, and margarine. Now, doctors are learning that one of the best ways to reduce inflammation lies not in the medicine cabinet, but in the refrigerator. By following an anti-inflammatory diet, you can fight off inflammation for good. What does an anti-inflammatory diet do? Your immune system becomes activated when your body recognizes anything that is foreign, such as an invading microbe, plant pollen, or chemical. This often triggers a process called inflammation. Intermittent bouts of inflammation directed at truly threatening invaders protect your health. However, sometimes inflammation persists day in and day out, even when you are not threatened by a foreign invader. That's when inflammation can become your enemy. Many major diseases that plague us, such as cancer, heart disease, diabetes, arthritis, depression, and Alzheimer's have been linked to chronic inflammation. One of the most powerful tools to combat inflammation comes not from the pharmacy, but from the grocery store. Many experimental studies have shown that components of foods or beverages may have anti-inflammatory effects, says Dr. Frank Hu, professor of nutrition and epidemiology in the Department of Nutrition at the Harvard School of Public Health. So what are these foods? According to Harvard Medical School's publication, Harvard Health, they are tomatoes, olive oil, green leafy vegetables, such as spinach, kale, and collards, nuts like almonds and walnuts, fatty fish like salmon, mackerel, tuna, and sardines, and fruits such as strawberries, blueberries, cherries, and oranges. Can I, can I just say something? This is a good tidy little list, but can I just talk about tomatoes for a second? I knew you're going to go tomatoes. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I, you're I, a tomato hater. You know what? Anti-tomato. I, I want to hear a disclaimer. I'm, I'm not, tomato no, I'm not, I am not anti-tomato. Tomatoes are packed with vitamin C, potassium, folate, and vitamin K. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have that antioxidant lycopene, which is uh, very important to fight free radicals and to fight cancer. But yes, but tomatoes are a nightshade vegetable. Well, actually they're fruits, but that's a discussion for another. They're a nightshade fruit. Yes. But why is being a nightshade vegetable worth talking about? Because of what it does to the gut. Now, does it do it to the gut in a lot of people or some people? Well, I'm, I'm going to get to that. The reason that nightshade foods such as tomatoes, potatoes, and why they're so prolific and why they flourish is because they are naturally protective against insects. Now, what happens is an insect eats it, dies. They basically just explode, right? <laughs> no, no, really. And so what happens on a, 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 a micro level in your gut when you ingest these foods is a process called apoptosis, which is the same thing. Basically, your little cells, when it comes in contact with the tomato, with the nightshade, they just explode, right? And so what happens is over time, you keep eating, eating, eating this stuff, your gut lining wears down. Now, this is not everybody. This is some people ah. have a nice, thick gut lining. You don't have to worry about this. You can go on and you can get your vitamin C and your potassium and your folate and your vitamin K and your lycopene and all that. And don't worry about this. But for those people that have a thinner gut lining, this does affect you because as this continues, as this process continues in your body, what happens is the little junctures in your gut start making little spaces. And then you get what's called leaky gut. What And then what that means is 
the foods that you ingest, they go through these little junctures. Just imagine having little holes all over your skin and, and everything uh-huh. in the environment can get into your body now. That's what's happening to you on the inside because these junctions have been loosened, right? And now you've got all this stuff floating around in your bloodstream that your immune system now has to deal with because it's like, whoa, that's not supposed to be here. And your immune system is going off because you've got, well, and then you've got allergies and then you've got food sensitivities. So that's causing inflammation. So that is causing inflammation. Exactly. So it's like making your gut porous. Thank you. It's making your gut porous. And it's basically that, that protection that your gut uh, was providing you is now gone and you can rebuild that, but you cannot have nightshade uh, foods if you have a thin gut. And how do you find that out? I don't know. Mark Wahlberg ended up having leaky gut. He did. Oh yeah. And he had to go on this whole diet and all this other stuff. And he was a big crow magnet and like red meat and like a oh he was doing like a super paleo. Did he yeah, you know? Did he go all like vegan now? No, I don't think he went vegan, but I think he probably anti-inflammatory. Cut back, yeah, cut back the the infl- anti-inflammatory, cut back you know on the nightshades and and that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to put that out there. I'm not saying that it's not a good food. It's a good food for many people, but for some people, it's not a good food. So just be mindful. Don't go and heap tomatoes on your plate. That's, you know, that's all I'm saying. You can get the same, same things from other pink and red uh, foods. It doesn't have to be tomatoes. So it could be cabbage, red cabbage. Be red cabbage. It could be okay. uh, grapefruit. It could be, you know, any number of things you can get these, these other things from. You can get folate and vitamin K from the leafy greens. Okay. Um, you can get vitamin C from citrus uh, fruits. I mean, there's ways you can find these things without tomatoes. And I'm not saying don't eat tomatoes. I'm just saying be mindful that tomatoes may not be your friend. That's all. That's all. <laughs> and I'm going to get off my little soapbox here. You knew, you knew I had to go after tomatoes. <laughs> big box of tomatoes. That and I'm also, I just right want to point out goji berries are also nightshade. Oh, they're a nightshade too. Yes, they are. Is yes, ashwagandha a nightshade? Uh, I'm the not sure, but I know that paprika and those red spikes oh, are also nightshades. So I put be- smoked paprika on my anchovy tomato salad. Girl. Mm, that sounds good. Girl. <laughs> Let me tell you, tomato slices with mozzarella cheese. Oh, my gosh. You know, right A little now, bit I of olive oil. Like, yep. Well, all of, olive oil is extremely good for you. Extremely yes. good for you. I just don't know if it's going to offset all the other stuff. I, I'm That's so all. hungry right now that we're going to have to go to a break soon. So <laughs> some, some pizza, all these tomatoes. Oh, tomatoes. Yeah. So just be mindful. That's all. And I'm going to step off tomatoes because tomatoes are not the bad guy. It's just, you know. Be careful if you're sensitive. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Does anyone want to weigh in on the diet? No? The diet? Yes, on the on the, the, the anti-inflammatory food. Well, I already blew it with the tomatoes today. <laughs> <laughs> I had well, sardines. How's that? Like I've been that. eating. Right. I hated yeah. sardines, yeah. but I've been eating them. So. Sardines are delicious. They're yeah, they're really good for you. I've been eating those because yeah. I'm trying to do pescatarian now. Yeah. I'd just- like to do almonds, but I'm allergic to almonds. Like, uh. I start choking. So, and my doctor has said if a food makes your mouth itch please avoid it because 
you're just a step away from anaphylaxis. Really? Yes. So what makes your, your, your lips and your, can you do walnuts? Uh, I don't do walnuts because I'm not sure. You're not sure. Do you get that? Like weird mouthfeel after you eat walnuts? I I would have to eat them and see so far. The only nut that has been, I've I've not had uh, issues with, uh, have been cashews. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's the only one so far. Uh, I'd have to try others. Like I would have to eat. What about macadamia? Um, macadamia is iffy. Okay. And I would have to, what I, what I would have to do is I'd have to do like a weird kind of like eat nothing but that food for the day. Okay. And then see what happens. An elimination diet of sorts. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then I'll be able to tell you, but I know for a fact, almonds, anything made of almonds, I'll just start coughing. I'm like, what? What the? That's a big deal. Why am I choking all of a sudden? (laughs) Almonds, something or other. Oh, this has got almonds. So jacques, almonds. <laughs> jacques, exactly. <laughs> you put almond milk in my coffee. All right. So, so there's that. So, so you want us to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break and then let's uh, come back to it. Okay. okay. All, right. All right. So we'll take a break and we'll come right back. this interesting article. I know I keep using the word interesting. It is interesting. So new research hints at four factors that may increase chances of long COVID. A team of researchers who followed more than 200 patients for two to three months after their COVID diagnoses report that they have identified biological factors that might help predict if a person will develop long COVID. This is from the New York Times. The study published by the journal Cell found four factors that could be identified early in a person's coronavirus infection that appeared to correlate with increased risk of having lasting symptoms weeks later. The researchers said they found that there was an association between these factors and long COVID, which goes by the medical name post-acute sequelae of COVID-19 or PASC, P-A-S-C. Whether the initial infection was serious or mild. They said that the findings might suggest ways to prevent or treat some cases of long COVID, including the possibility of giving people antiviral medication soon after an infection has been diagnosed. This is the first real solid attempt to come up with some biologic mechanisms for long COVID, said Dr. Stephen Deeks, a professor of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, who was not involved in the study. He and other experts, along with the study authors themselves, cautioned that the findings were exploratory and would need to be verified by considerably more research. So one of the four factors researchers identified is the level of coronavirus RNA in the blood early in the infection, an indication of viral load. Another is the presence of certain autoantibodies, antibodies that mistakenly attack tissue in the body as they do in conditions like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. The third factor is the reactivation of Epstein-Barr virus, a virus that infects most people, often when they are young and then usually becomes dormant. And the fourth and final factor is having type 2 diabetes, although the researchers and other experts said 
that in studies involving larger numbers of patients, it might turn out that diabetes is only one of several medical conditions that increase the risk of long COVID. I, I don't, I don't know. It, by the way, the, the article will be posted on the website, uh, urbanhealthweekly.com. I'm sparing you, uh, you know, the extra details and getting get to the heart of the matter. Uh, but the link will be up on urbanhealthweekly.com, our new podcast website. Uh, I don't know. Our I, old nemesis, Epstein-Barr virus is in there. Yes. That yes, thing yes. always wears its ugly head. I'm telling you, these things are everywhere. It's all interconnected and interrelated, mm. isn't it? I, you know, I had in 2020, I had, let's call it prolonged COVID symptoms in 2020. Okay. But when I was tested, my test kept coming up negative and my antibody tests came back negative as well. So the, the antibody test would have told you I've either been exposed to it or I had it and I'm recovered. However, once you have the vaccine, that test becomes pretty much moved. Uh, that's why they don't even bother with that anymore. And, and it's kind of kind of like a, a rear-facing test. It tells you what happened, ED. Yeah. And that's what, what is happening right now or what's right. going to happen. So, so it doesn't tell you if it's like currently active. It just says if you've been exposed, but it doesn't say right. when. It says you had it, but it'll say you had it if you took the vaccine. So okay. at the end of the day, 60% of Americans and 70% of Americans, it, it's a moot point for them at this point. At this um, point, yes. And it's true. only for the 30%. And at, at, at that time, you were kind of like trying to figure out like, okay, was that thing that I had, HAB, uh, COVID or not COVID? Uh, but we're- It was definitely COVID. We're so inundated and so beyond that right now that it's not something that most people do. Well, I, you know, I didn't have any of those risk factors. So, but in any of it, how long- I mean, what do they consider long COVID? Let me That's why I want to ask you, is it like six months longer? Because isn't it possible that COVID, maybe you're not infectious as long, but. Well, but that's what, that was what, my, to recover. That was what my doctor said, that, that I'm not infectious. And, you know, even though I had symptoms, I was not infectious. And that's why my test results kept coming up negative. But the CDC says long COVID can last weeks or months after first being infected with the virus or can appear weeks after infection. Long COVID can happen to anyone who has had COVID-19, even if their illness was mild or if they had no symptoms. That's the CDC's definition of long COVID. So that's a little vague. In other words, you don't necessarily feel better in your 10 days. You might. Right, exactly. And you still have all this lasting stuff like a terrible cough or you've got fogginess or you've got a headache that just won't go away. Your sense of smell hasn't come back. Uh, The list goes on. Hey, you know how you get tested for like... Dunkin' Refreshers are the perfect way to get a little more out of your day. With more tropical flavors like new mango pineapple and more ways to get glowing. Available with green tea, coconut milk, or lemonade. You've got what you need to make the most out of every moment. Even the ones spent stuck in traffic. (sighs) What a beautiful day. Sip into all your favorite Dunkin' Refreshers, like new mango pineapple. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Additional charges may apply. Rheumatoid factor, like RF factor, mm-hmm. um, as a sign of, uh, is, is that an example of an, anti, uh, an, anti, um, an autoantibody test? Like, how would they test to show if you had, like, autoantibodies? Like, if you have a tendency, you know, 
Do you know what I mean? That's like, a good question. That's a good question. Like, how would they? Know, how, yeah. Well, how would they know to look for these certain anti auto antibodies? Like, like I have Hashimoto's, so that's an autoimmune thyroid disease. So I often test, like, if they're specifically testing for, you know, thyroid antibodies, that'll that'll come up. And then are these people, are these people who presented with these conditions, like how you, for example, would present with your, your autoimmune. Right. Right. I don't know that, you know, well, that's why they're saying this is going to require considerably more research. We'll see how it develops. Okay. Hospitals are denying. Now this one is a little bit controversial. Hospitals are denying transplants for patients who aren't vaccinated against COVID with backing from ethicists. A Boston hospital's denial of a heart transplant to a man who is unvaccinated for COVID-19 has generated national attention, but experts say mandating vaccines is in keeping with other long-standing requirements that patients have to meet to receive an organ, including getting other shots. In this case, Brigham and Women's Hospital dropped a 31-year-old man named DJ Ferguson from its transplant wait list. His family said Ferguson was concerned about side effects and the speed with which the vaccines were developed. His mother told WCVB. This is. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. It's not the first such case to make headlines. Last year, both the Cleveland Clinic and University of Colorado Hospital refused to perform organ transplants for recipients who hadn't been vaccinated. Perhaps because of the politicization of COVID-19 vaccines more broadly, the reaction to such decisions is sometimes greeted with outrage. But ethicists and transplant physicians stress that organ allocation has to be partially determined by who can survive and thrive with a scarce resource. With so many people waiting for an organ, clinicians try to maximize the chances of a successful transplant. 
Hospitals don't want to allocate an organ to people who are putting themselves at higher risk of dying after a transplant, especially since that organ can't then go to someone else. The entire transplant evaluation process, which can be very long and very demanding, is about making sure patients are in the best physical, mental, and social condition to endure a transplant, then all of the downstream effects of transplantation, said Olivia Cates, a Johns Hopkins infectious disease physician who specializes in transplant patients. But haven't the rules always been clear about transplant recipient qualifications, fully vaccinated, ideal weight, et cetera? Well, um, with the heart transplants, I know from when I worked in cardiology, it was really hard to qualify mm-hmm. to get one. Like if you didn't have like a bunch of family members, uh, you didn't, ha- they, they check like your support network, who's going to help you recover. You know, they really, you'd be surprised what gets you, yeah. you know, unqualified. It, it's really pretty arduous to qualify for, uh, yeah. for a transplant. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty complicated. Uh, yeah. It's almost like a, it's almost like an Excel spreadsheet. But <laughs> let's start out by saying that it's not like going to the store and getting a diet Pepsi or something where there's an unlimited supply. There is a very limited supply of organs. So you're talking about ten thousand people who need these things. They might only be a thousand organs to go around. So right, right. away, it's a scarcity model. The, the second thing that we have to realize is that even though there's a thousand organs based on, on your blood type, based on a lot of things, there's a lot of factors that will say I'll only, only 10% of those organs that are available are a match to me. In, in a lot of instances, they're not a match. So that narrows that pool down somewhere else. Now, the third factor is the reason it's formulaic is they try to play like non-money here and they try to play by the algorithm tries to play like, how long do you have to live? Um, what are the other comorbidities? What is the success of transplant and living with this thing after they put it in you? Because remember, when you take one of these organs, you're basically denying somebody else on the waiting list that organ until the next organ becomes available. So chance of success is really... Huge. It's huge. Now, when they also give you a uh, a transplanted organ, they rejection is one of the worst. You know, one of the most common things that happens. Meaning, your your body says, "Hey, wait a minute, this kidney's not mine. This kidney belongs to somebody else. Let's reject it." That's the natural way that your body reacts. So, what happens is your antibodies attack this thing. So, they give you a lot of. Uh, immune suppressants, immunosuppressant drugs. So you're just, for the first year of that transplant, you're just a vessel waiting to get infected. So they give you a whole lot of things. You can't go to a buffet. You can't, you can't attend meetings with, with people. You can't, you can't do all these things. You, you're basically living in isolation for a year. Now, we all know how easy it is to get COVID. If you get COVID, you're dead. And if you're dead, they wow. just wasted that liver. They wasted just wasted that organ. They wasted that heart. It's all wasted. So in the algorithm, if you're not protected against an easily contracted communicable disease, they can't help you. That's that's pretty much how that's pretty much how this goes. So I get it. It doesn't sound good, but I don't I don't see 
I would kind of make the same decision if I only had a thousand parts to go around and there was 10,000 people that, that needed them. It would be based on a formula. And if you're not vaccinated, you're not going to make it after I give you the heart anyway. There's a pretty good percentage. You just take two steps back. And this formula is not new. So this is how the they've been doing it the whole is, time. Is, is there. It's all the transplant surgeons have to abide by it. Uh, there's a transplantation society that runs it. And, and, and physicians weigh in. But the good news, supposedly, is, is that um, it's not wealth or, or related or anything like that. Now, I, I know somebody else is going to say that, Mickey Mantle. And he that, was a I, was got, I was just, read, <laughs> you read my mind. I, I am not I was just going to say then somebody, please tell me how the hell Mickey Mantle yeah. got that darn kidney. Tell me how. Not, he was riddled with all kinds of illness. He was already in his 60s. He had ravaged his own kidneys and, he, and his, his surrounding organs were also a mess. And yet somehow in three days, they found him a kidney and skipped over a woman to give him the kidney. And then he ended up dying anyway. Because he was the mick. That's why. That's I, right. It was a uh, So all the, so basically all this other we stuff. We throw it that out the said, window. Right. Right. So it's so it's all it's all really a bunch of BS. It's all since Mickey Mantle. <laughs> On yeah, I still have a bee in my bonnet about that. I was so that, that was such a memorable like, story. How in the hell? What mm. Mickey Mantle who drank himself into a stupor and destroyed himself. And he had other, what, what else did he have? He had hepatitis. Okay. So this man was not in good health. And yet he got a kidney. Please somebody explain that. I remember walking down Central Park West and hearing people arguing at like 59th Street, people arguing about how Mickey Mantle got a liver. And then I went all the way over to Fifth Avenue and there was uh -huh. a stop site like, and everybody was arguing about how Mickey Mantle got a look. Yeah. Remember that? That still makes me laugh. Oh, I, so I, I still can't. I still can't wrap my mind around it. It was so unreal and so unfair. I, I made sure I got his autograph. Oh, that's the Mick. He was the Mick. Exactly. The yeah. Mick. Yeah. Oh, another one. Steve Jobs got a, a, a liver and a pancreas, I think. No, he, he didn't. Too? No, yeah, he didn't. Apple, didn't no, he didn't. He went to he urban went legend. To I think he went to go and do like they wanted to start him on medications right mm -hmm. away and all this other stuff, and he wanted to go the natural route. So he left mm -hmm. the country to go do some something right, some, right and it just didn't work out he ended up dying yeah. instead of taking his doctor's advice that was really unfortunate but i don't think that had to do with with uh with uh live with um organ transplants mm -hmm. for him separately yeah. i wish we had opt out organ donation like they do in belgium where you are automatically an organ donor and you have to register to not be an organ donor you have to opt oh, that's out that's interesting yeah so well, they I, have much more yeah. available there yeah. You know, I remember when um, my mom had just passed away and I was in the hospital, well, in the hospice trying to figure out, okay, what's my next step? Cause I never really like first degree dealt with this kind yeah. of stuff. I just didn't expect that she was going to pass, you know, so quickly. And um, I got this call from this woman and I was just like, 
not in the mood for it. And she's like trying to, you know, gently suggest that Uh. I donate my mom's corneas. (laughs) I was like, what? I can't talk about this right now. Right. But but the thing is like time is of the essence. Time is of the essence. And, you know, opting out the opt out system that eliminates doctors from having to ask families at that such crucial time when they're suffering and grieving, you know, and then I'm not even sure that she was on a donor list, though. I don't even know how like they got her. But in any event, they must she must have opted in somehow. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they, they called me and they they tried really hard to be so delicate about the situation. Oh, gosh. I'd hate to have to be that doctor that has to approach. Oh, that must have been so painful for you. And I was just like, like my my logical brain understood that time is of the essence and she's kind of got has to act quickly before stuff starts degrading, et cetera, while it's fresh. Oh, but gosh. I'm still thinking, well. But like, I'm still dealing with the fact that she just died overnight and now I have to like figure out arrangements and stuff like this is not top priority. So she called, I was like, look, I need time. And then she called me back later that day. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And she, she, you know, it was really, the whole experience was just so surreal because I understood logically the position that she was in, but at the same time, she understood where I was too. And it's like, you know, there's no easy, there's no easy meeting place, like between, you know, family members grief and, uh, you know, your need for, so anyway, I let her have it. I was like, just, just take them. Cause I was, she's dead anyway. So I, I told her to take them. I, I said, go ahead and take them. Wow. Yeah. That must've been just so heart-wrenching. To have it to was, it was heart-wrenching. Yeah. You know, but I understand the science, you know, it's like, you know, you only have a little bit of time before these things are, are not viable. And, um, I was very annoyed by the call. Um, but it was, you know, it's, they needed yeah, it. Well, yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no really delicate way. And she tried to be as delicate as possible, but <laughs> there's really just, there's, there's no way. So I just, I just, just, I just took myself out of the equation and I was like, just go ahead and take them, just take them. Wow. Whew. Well, listen to this early research suggests cancer drug could help flush HIV from its hiding spots. Antiretroviral therapy, the standard treatment for HIV, can remove any trace of the virus from the blood, but a hidden reservoir of HIV persists in patients who are in treatment. That means patients are never truly cured and need to be on HIV drugs for the rest of their lives. Researchers have yet to discover a way to eliminate the virus in its latent stage, but new early stage research suggests a landmark cancer drug, pembrolizumab, also known as Keytruda, may be able to help. In a study published Wednesday in Science Translational Medicine, researchers looked at 32 patients that had both cancer and HIV and found that pembrolizumab, which revives the immune system and encourages it to attack tumors, also has the ability to flush HIV out of its hiding spot in immune cells. This is an exciting advance. Adiba Kamazuru, oh my God, I'm about to <laughs> his name. Kamarulzaman, Adiba Kamarulzaman, the president of the International AIDS Society said in a statement, she was not involved in the study. Being able to stop HIV from hiding is an important part of finding an HIV cure. 
HIV attacks the immune system by infecting white blood cells known as T cells. Without antiretroviral drugs, the virus will proliferate wildly throughout the body, obliterating the immune system and eventually leading to the patient's death. There are effective treatments for HIV that can stop the virus from replicating and give the immune system a chance to recover. But treatment can't clear latent virus, explained Sharon Lewin, an HIV researcher at the University of Melbourne and the senior author on the study. And you always end up with exhausted T cells. I'm gonna spare you the specific scientific details. You can read that later on Stat News. The link will be posted on Urban Health Weekly. Um, but they're right that this is very, very exciting. If the virus can be flushed out of hiding, it can be treated more thoroughly. You know, give those T cells a fighting chance. I, I really hope this pans out. It so can, it's a step towards? Oh my God, it can be a turning point in the fight against HIV. Wow. You know, the antiviral meds can really get in there and get to clearing the virus out better, you know? Any thoughts? That is exciting. Oof. Oh my gosh. This could really be a game changer if this pans out. Huge I, game changer. I, I think. COVID itself and, and all of this is going to be all revolutionary because we're giving viruses a whole new look-see now. Uh, and they're much more at the forefront. So all the research that's been done on HIV, COVID, uh, you know, all these viruses that attack the body, mm -hmm. I think they, they're going to start sharing information uh, and sharing trials. And, you know, some of the best discoveries come accidentally. Yeah. Uh, you're trying one drug and then all of a sudden it helps you for something else. Keytruda is a cancer drug. Right. Uh, but now it has antiviral properties. So, well, it doesn't have antiviral properties, mm -hmm. but what it has anti tumor properties. And right. what happens is it, uh, I guess, it obliterates the cells and it releases the, well, the HIV I... back into the bloodstream. Right. Right. Yeah. So it can't so hide. It, can be detected. Right. it can't hide in the immune system, behind the immune system. Right. Like it's it got to come out. It's, right. it's got to come out. So, and that's so, the thing. Right? So yeah, it, you know, in a way, it's a combination therapy. Yeah, it's like it's like with herpes, herpes mm. simplex two hides oh, your, your nervous system. Right, and okay. so that's why it's able to. It's you know, and it, it most of the time it's latent, but that's why that it's considered incurable because it hides, and then your body's not going to necessarily attack your your nervous system, right? And so it hangs out there and hides. But just imagine there's a way to flush that out and get it out into the open. Then you could really start looking towards a cure. And that's that's what's going on. Well, potentially going on here. So that's that's huge. That's hugely exciting. Should we take a break and come back? Yeah, if you want. Sure. Yeah. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. talk about collagen and the benefits of collagen and research and all that other jazz. And maybe we'll talk about that some other time because I found this one much more interesting. And this is, um, is COVID causing an endocrine system crisis? I came across this while I was cleaning out my inbox and I was like, hold the phone because I didn't even know about this. So there's a relationship between type 1 diabetes and COVID. 
Significantly more children were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes during the COVID-19 pandemic compared with previous years, a single instituted study suggested. From March 2020 to March 2021, a total of 187 children were admitted for new onset type 1 diabetes. Let me, let me say that again, type 1, not type 2, mm-hmm. at San Diego Children's Hospital, a 57% increase over the 119 children in the prior year according to Jane Kim, MD of the University of California, San Diego and colleagues. And for part of this pandemic period, which is July, 2020 to February, 2021, they found significantly more new diagnoses than would be predicted based on averages from the previous five years. For example, it was expected there would be 10 new diagnoses in February, but in reality, there were 21, the group wrote in a JAMA Pediatrics research letter. Not only were there more cases of type 1 diabetes than expected, but more children initially presented with diabetic ketoacidosis during the one-year pandemic period as well. By measuring a 12-month interval after the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, our cross-sectional study accounted for seasonal variation in the onset of type 1 diabetes cases. That's from uh, Dr. Kim's group. They also noted that they included data on the five years prior in order to account for the unexpected annual increase in cases, which have been increasing globally each year. That's bananas. Um, well, so when I, when I saw this, I started uh, digging, and then I found this on um, NIH's website, how COVID-19 can lead to diabetes. So along with pneumonia, blood clots, and other serious health concerns caused by SARS-CoV-2, the COVID-19 virus, some people can develop type 1 diabetes. Now, let me just explain type 1 diabetes to the audience really quickly. So type 2 is basically your body is making insulin, but there's not that connection yes. between. The, yes. the, it's the, not necessarily recognizing and allowing the insulin to function. Thank okay. you. Okay. Type 1 diabetes is I have no insulin. I am not making insulin. I mean, you've got to literally inject yourself with insulin because you're just not producing insulin. Okay, so back to what I was saying. What's going on? Two new NIH-supported studies now available as pre-proofs in the journal Cell Metabolism help to answer this important question, confirming that SARS-CoV-2 can target and impair the body's insulin-producing cells. Type 1 diabetes occurs when beta cells in the pancreas don't secrete enough insulin to allow the body to metabolize food optimally after a meal. As a result of this insulin insufficiency, blood glucose levels go up, the hallmark of diabetes. Earlier lab studies have suggested that SARS-CoV can infect human beta cells. They also show that this this dangerous virus can replicate in these insulin-producing beta cells to make more copies of itself and spread to other cells. This also makes biological sense. Beta cells and other cell types in the pancreas express ACE2 receptor protein, all of which SARS-CoV-2 depends upon to enter and infect human cells. Indeed, the researchers saw signs of the coronavirus in both insulin-producing beta cells and several other pancreatic cells, cell types in the studies of autopsy pancreatic tissue. The new findings also show that the coronavirus infection changes the function of islets. That's the islets of Langerhans, but I'm not going to get into that. The pancreatic tissue that contains beta cells. Again, I'm shortening this for time and, you know, to get to the point, but the link will be available on the website, I promise. Uh, This is scary. 
This it is scary. These viruses are unbelievable. This COVID thing cannot be underestimated. This thing is insidious. And apparently children are not as safe as we thought. Wow. But I also wonder if food, the food supply plays has a role in this as well. Yeah, I, I think- Can, it, can it all be? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There has to be a little bit more data gone in because as of now, whether you're vaccinated or not, 20 to 30% of all, and I'm just using Americans, 20 to 30% of all Americans have had COVID. Yeah. So, you know, to say that the, they're more diabetic or, you, you know, those are going to be huge clinical trials yeah. to say who's had COVID, who hasn't had COVID. And as, as we were discussing in the sector before, you may not even know you had COVID. And, yeah. and there's no way to tell yeah. now that because you're vaccinated. Yeah. Um, and then how do you come forward and say, well, I, I want to be tested to make sure that, you know, everything is, is fine. How do you even know to do that? Right. You, Unless you, you present with some, some illness, like these were people who presented at the hospital um, with symptoms. Yeah. I mean, or died. We, we have to find people who've never had COVID and who have not been vaccinated. And then compare them to people who to have people had COVID. Who have had COVID and been vaccinated, then who have had COVID and have not been vaccinated to see if there's a difference there. So those are all things that um, are a little, you know, iffy. So I, I would say that there's a lot more data crunching to be done here. I'm not invalidating that conclusion. Right, right. But I think we're going to have, we're going to have a lot of uh, weird conclusions Uh you know, do I hear better? Do I sleep better? Do I taste better? <laughs> uh, you, you know, there's a there's a lot of stuff. Uh, rumors, urban health, there, urban not urban health, urban rumors going on or legends. Man, going on about fertility. don't be including Urban Health Weekly. In no, 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 no. <laughs> urban health Weekly is pure people, pure. No Joe pure Rogan. The driven <laughs> no, no Joe Rogan here. But, um, <laughs> yeah. We, uh, you know, when you, I was, I meant to say urban legends. I'll take uh, some of that yeah. money though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Spotify. Here we are. You know, we, can, we can fill that time slot. You know. But, yeah. But, but what I was saying is that they, there's a lot of urban legends going on there in terms of fert, uh, fertility, virility, things of that nature. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're not real. I'm just saying that we're going to have to do a lot of very, very careful research because now COVID affects such a large percentage of the population. And that's the thing, like we're still in the throes of this, right? And so it's still rolling, you know, each strain is still rolling through the population and still creating destruction that we're not going to know about for years to come. Yeah, we're going to look back on some meta-analysis in yeah. like 20 years, and we're going to start seeing patterns. And then we're going to be wondering, was that COVID? What, you know, like there's going to be a, a this, so there's a spike in type 1 diabetes. But it's also coinciding along with our, our, the, the, our poor food practices, you know, as, as far as like how poor we food. create our food and, and, and so forth. Also, it's very a, confounded. Yeah, it's... it's, a, it's there's a, also a spike in, in less going to the gym. There's also a spike in less... Uh, group less physical life. activity. Uh, less physical activity, You know, there's exactly. way less physical activity. And forget about playing tennis. You know, just the physical activity that it takes for you to go to work. You know, you got to go up the stairs, down the stairs, you know, through the woods. There we go. <laughs> Over the river <laughs> and through the woods. To <laughs> exactly. All that physical activity is gone, you know. Now right. you wake up. You, you have to actually put on pants. 
You don't even need, need pants anymore to go. You don't to need pants. You don't need pants, and your stretch pants are always very forgiving. Yeah. yeah. You never know if your waistline is growing or not. <laughs> you know, I just listened to this lecture from um, the Wheat Belly Guy, Dr. William Davis. Uh-huh. He talked about how destructive um, a diet with grains can be to the human body. So there's a lot to unpack there as well. Like he, he went systematically, talked step-by-step about how um, grain should ju- just not be a regular part of the human diet. If you think about how most people eat, right? You have, you have a breakfast sandwich. Then you have, you might have a sandwich and some chips or salad and some French fries. I'm sorry, a salad and some French fries, a sandwich and some French fries. Then right. dinner, you may have, uh, you know, rice or pasta. Grains, grains, grains. Sensible dinner. And so you've got grains, grains, grains all day. And your blood sugar is just, it never gets to come down because it's just spiking, spiking, spiking all day with no break. Wouldn't that also burn out your eyelids of Langerhans? I would think that would too, a steady diet. And then there's a lot of food that the body simply does not recognize. And so the mechanism, the digestive mechanisms just don't kick in the way they do because your body's like, whoa, pause, what's this? I don't know, just pack it up and pack it and turn it into fat. Um, And so there's a lot of that going on too. And a lot of these things have a lot of endocrine disruptors. And I'm just saying that that's also a possibility that we should consider and, and I'm again, like Lou, I'm not invalidating this information. Look, this is the NIH, but let's look at other ways. And so this brings me back to what I always talk about, protecting our health. You only have one body. You only got one turn in this life as who you are now. And you've got to look after your health. And if you can cut back on the processed food and try to eat, and also just in terms of, you know, protecting yourself against COVID too, if you can cut back on the processed food and sort of eat more foods that are in their natural form, you would rid yourself of a lot of this, um, these health concerns. You know, you just have to remember, no one's going to take care of your health better than you. And that's all I've got to say. He's sounding the alarm and <laughs> off. it's our yes, time yes. and we've got to go. Just remember, <laughs> be empowered it's and look after your all. health. And um, that's all the time we have today. I all love right. you guys. And we'll see you, love uh, you guys. Week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time. Summer is right around the corner, and you know what that means. Cooking out, diving in, and soaking up a whole lot of sunshine. The Home Depot has everything you need to start your summer right. Upgrade your cookout game with Traeger grills and smokers. Then gather around a new Hampton Bay patio set with family and friends. It feels like Memorial Day at the Home Depot with savings on summer fun. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It's official. Summer is almost here. The sun is getting brighter. The days are getting longer and your lawn is ready for some love. Get everything you need for a season spent outside with Memorial Day savings from the Home Depot. 
manicure your yard to perfection with lawn care tools from RYOBI. Then get your garden going with vegetables and herbs from Bonnie Plants Harvest Select, plus mulch and soil from Vigoro and EarthGrow. Get your lawn as ready as you are for summer in the sun. Feels like Memorial Day at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.